streaming live. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Hey everybody, good morning, good morning. We are experiencing some technical things today and I hope we're working okay. So, we're going to go back to Mark, or pardon me, Luke chapter 5 verse 1. Have to excuse me, folks. I'm not sure. Huh? We're on. Good. <laughs> live. I guess it. It. This is the problem with being live. All right. There we go. Not sure what happened, but here we are. So let's get started. Let me set my timer here so I can make sure I'm on the right. Screen. There we go. Sorry about the confusion, but we're on track now. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. We're going to talk about the risk of faith. And the risk of faith is having a guy that hasn't done this a lot, trying to run a live, uh, uh, a live screen. So you're with me live on this. I'm going to read from the modern English version, and we're going to start on chapter 5, verse 1. As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats beside the lake. But the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. He entered one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to thrust it out a little from land. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, Simon answered him, Master, we've worked all night and caught nothing, but at your word I will let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish so that their net was tearing. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. 
Verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And verse, Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And verse 11, So when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, uh, the theme that we've been talking about is there's a risk in faith. When you step out for God, there's a risk involved. If there's no risk involved, you're probably not operating in faith. We could go back to, to um, Hebrews chapter 11, and we can read the, the classic definition of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, as the as the Amplified Bible says, it's the title deed, the confirmation of what it is that we hope for. So, if we look at this, we go back and, and I want you to go back and take a look at, at Mark chapter 1 real quick. Look at verse 22. Mark 1, 22, after Jesus was doing, uh, out ministering, it says, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. Okay? And then look at verse 27. Chapter 1, verse 27. People were amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? What new teaching is this? With authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And then it says in verse 28, immediately his frame... His fame spread everywhere throughout the region of Galilee. And if you look at verse 33, the whole city gathered at the door. Look at verse 37. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. Look at verse 45. Instead, he went out and began... This is the... Uh, Jesus healed a leper. He told him not to do this, but he did it anyway. Instead, he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news around so that Jesus could no more openly enter the city but was forced into remote areas and they came to him from every quarter. Now, what I want to ask you, and and if we go to to Mark chapter 1, it gives a summary of the things that happened in Luke 4 and Matthew 4 at the temptation. And then uh, he gives a real brief summary of of the calling of Peter and Andrew. But here's the thing I want to ask you. There's something about his voice. There's something about hearing God speak, about hearing Jesus speak, that just drew people. They just followed him. And they said, what is it about his teaching that's got authority? Well, you can see that right here. He's walking along the beach. He sees these fishermen out there. And he goes to verse 3 and he says, uh, let me in your boat, pull out, and he talked from him. Then he turns around to him. Now here's where it gets interesting. You've got to be able to hear Luke 10, or not Luke, John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they'll not follow. Okay? So we do hear, hear the master's voice, but look at this. In verse um, 4, When he finished speaking, he said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, nets, plural, for a catch. Peter 
said, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but at your word I will let down the net. Jesus said, Let down your nets. Peter said, I will let down the net. Now, if you look at this in several different translations, King James, New King James, Modern English Version, and Young's Literal, all of them say that Peter said, I'll let down the net. Other translations say nets. I've looked at the word, and there are situations where the same word can mean plural or singular. So, in this case, though, let's look at what Peter did. He kind of half obeyed what Jesus said. I don't know if he actually heard him or what, but Jesus said, let down your nets. Peter let down a net, and I, I, I tend to think it wasn't one of his better nets. It was just one that was laying around because he knew when you, you don't fish at this time of the day, you, it, this is just not going to work. So he probably threw out an old net that wasn't clean and, and wasn't prepared correctly. And he says, when they done this, they caught such a great number of fish, and the net was tearing. The net was tearing. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them, and they came, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now, at that point, Peter comes up and says, Depart from me, for I'm a sin sinful man. I'm not sure... I've heard other people give their opinions of what he meant. But in this case, I think Peter realized he hadn't done what he was told to do. And had he done that, it's like uh, Elisha told the, the widow woman, go get all the empty buckets and, and containers that you can and let's, you know, bring them in. And when uh, they brought them all in and when she ran out, then the oil stopped. She had enough oil to to do her business, sell her, you know, to sell the oil and pay off her debts. If she'd only brought three, and, and again, I'm, I'm thinking, I believe it was Elisha, uh, or Elisha told the king to strike the ground many times. He only struck the ground three, three times. They didn't do exactly what Jesus said. They did part of it, but they didn't do it all. And in this case, Peter only let down one net. Now, at this point, when they come in, they do something that's rather amazing. And if you look at this in verse 11, so when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, we know that that was uh, John and James and Peter and, and, and um, Andrew. We know those four guys were the fishermen that left it. Now, I would ask you to, to look at this in the light of today, okay, um, I want you to just look at this and say, okay, what would people say if you did that today? Well, these guys came in. They didn't clock out. They didn't do any maintenance. They just dropped everything and followed this itinerant preacher who was controversial uh, at best, seditious at worst, um, they, they just followed him because there was something about this guy that enabled them to throw away their business, break, break off with the business. I, don't you think old man Zebedee was upset with John and James? Now, these guys were called the Sons of Thunder, and I, I think probably they're hard-drinking, hard-fighting fishermen. And these two guys 
The sons of thunder followed this man. There's something about his voice that caused them to risk everything to follow him. Okay? Now, um, last on, on September 29th, um, a man who has had an impact on my life, Brother Andrew, if you don't know who Brother Andrew uh, is, he wrote a book, uh, God's Smuggler. I suggest every Christian get this book. If I was a pastor and uh, somebody got saved, this would be one of the, the first books that I would give them. Because what Brother Andrew did was nothing less than amazing. But he did exactly, he saw what God said in his word and he just trusted God. And, and he did and just miracle after miracle after miracle happened in this guy's life because he just had enough courage to follow and do what God said. Um, one of the more famous ones was when he it was at a Soviet checkpoint and um, he felt that they needed to get Bibles into the communist countries and so he's got an old Volkswagen or uh, at that time I think it was a new Volkswagen. He filled it with Bibles and just drove through. And he told God at the checkpoint, uh, Father, you have caused blind eyes to see. I'm asking you to cause seeing eyes to be blind and not see these. And he just drove him in. And his life was full of miracles like that because he just trusted God. Now, the question that I want to ask, um, what other situations can we look at in the New Testament? Uh, look over at Mark chapter 2 real quick. Let's look at the story of Mark chapter 2. Um, he entered Capernaum and some days later it was reported that he was in the house and again, listen to this. Immediately, many were gathered together so that there's no room to receive them, not even at the door. Here it is again, a situation where his voice, the things that he's teaching, the authority caused people to drop what they're doing and go, i got to hear this guy. Okay. Now, at this point, there's four guys have a friend there that's paralyzed and they can't get in. What do they do? They jump up on the roof and start cutting a hole in the roof. How many of us would actually do that? How many of us would jump on the roof, take time, cut a hole, and drop a guy down in front of Jesus? Now, here's the interesting part of that. Obviously, it took their faith, and Jesus responded to that and said, Seeing their faith, he said, Your sins are forgiven. Now, this gets him in trouble. But he doesn't care about that. He's talking to these guys. Think of the risk that the, that the paralyzed man had. I don't know how big this house was. I doubt it was an A-frame. But however big it was, they've got him on a mat and they're dropping him down and, and they had to carry him up. He had to have faith to allow his friends to do that. Now, his faith was rewarded because he, he got healed. Jesus saw their faith and they were healed. What other instances can we look at? Um, well, you can turn to the most famous, one of the more famous ones, turn to John chapter 11. And verse 38 
Jesus, groaning within himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Take away the stone. But he's been dead for four days. He stinks, says Martha. Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone from the place and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. And then when he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He who was dead came out with his feet wrapped. And Jesus said, unbind him and, and let him go. took a lot of faith for Jesus to do that. Um, put yourself in this position. There's other people that have raised people from the dead. Uh, you could go read about Smith Wigglesworth. He risked a lot, and, and, and um, from some of the numbers I saw, they said I think there was like 15 or 17 people that he that was raised to the dead under his ministry. What about John Lake and other people uh, in the past that have stepped out and trusted God and moved with what he said? Now, um, let's go back to another one of my favorite ones. Let's look at John chapter 2. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. We could come back to that later. But basically, he said, Fix. Uh, fill up these ceremonial jars, probably about 150 gallons. Let's say that's, you know, 25 gallons in each one. So he went 25 to 30 gallons. He said, fill them up, and he said, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. They filled it with water. They took it took a cup of it, and took it over to the guy. Somewhere between here and there, it became really good wine. Uh, not cheap stuff. This is good wine. And and they were called on it because the, the, the guy that's running the wedding said, everybody else brings the, the cheap wine lat first, or the good wine first, and then the cheap wine but you've done just the opposite of that. You've got the best wine to last. Now, um, if you use 750 liters as a standard, he, he, he put out about 900 bottles of good wine. I think that shows Jesus' generosity, but I think the point is it took faith like that to follow this woman it's instructions. Do whatever it is He says to do. And they got the results. I think a lot of us fail because we don't do that. I think a lot of us fail because when it comes time to actually pull the trigger, we hedge our bets. We want plan B. Um, back in the, uh, in the 1980s, I worked for a company and I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And... 
I traveled a lot. Um, the the last year I worked for this company, I was on 150 flights in one year, and it got to the point that I was walking down D Concourse at Salt Lake City, walked by the yogurt stand, the guy cleaning the yogurt stand, goes, oh, hello, Mr. Hines, how are you? And I'm thinking that I might be flying too much. So, at this point, um, one of the things that I noticed, and the Lord spoke to me about this, if you traveled with me, there was never any doubt about what was going to happen. I had plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. I've never missed a flight. I never missed a, uh, I just had it set up with my travel agent that if there was any possibility of things not going well, I had plan B and I, I, I would talk to him. I never missed a flight. Never. In all those years, I've never missed a flight. Um, and the Lord said, you can't operate in my kingdom and be that way. You can't have plan B. In other words, when uh, Jesus was going to try to raise Lazarus, he didn't have plan B. He said, well, if Lazarus doesn't come out, we'll do this, that, or the other. He didn't do that. The same thing happened in all of these things. There is no plan B when you're going to operate in that kind of faith. You, you just follow what God said and trust Him for the results. Um, you go back and look at Julia and I uh, back in the 80s, uh, 1981, 80 and 81, we felt the Lord wanted us to move from Columbus, Ohio to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we prayed about it and, and um, we knew that we felt that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. So we took off and we left Columbus, Ohio. Our jobs, we had really good jobs in Columbus. We were doing well. And all of our expenses doubled and our revenue was cut in half when we went to Tulsa. And in seven years, eight years in Tulsa, we never missed anything. We were able to buy a house. We were able to buy a new car. We, we, there, I can't tell you to this day how it happened. But we never missed anything when we when we got to Tulsa. Contrast that when we moved to from Tulsa to Athens, Georgia, in 1989 and 88. Um, we knew again the Lord wanted us to move, and we took that step. And 1989 was probably the worst year of my life. There were so many bad things that happened when we moved that. It just didn't. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I made a bad mistake. So when I when I would go, when we got down here, we found out at the end of the year, like one guy said, at the end of the year, when the smoke cleared and the dust settled, we were on our feet. We were standing on our feet. So uh, one of the things that I want to bring up is that it takes courage to step out and follow the Lord. It takes courage to do that. Uh, I go back, let's go back to our, our main scripture here in Luke chapter 5. And let's look at Luke 5, 1 again. What's, what does it take, what is it about Jesus that w if we follow Mark, all of these people were following him because of what he said. Then part of what it was 
that he was saying he was doing the works of God. He was doing things at the same time. What is it about that that was so important for these guys to follow him? They, it just His words generated faith and belief, and they said, I want to be a part of that. Now, if we go on and we look further down the road at what some of the other things Jesus did, if you go to, to John chapter 16... If we go down to John chapter 16, we can see in here that Jesus tells everyone about, well, it's good for you that I'm going away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, They may know something about this, but the point to be made that Jesus was going to make, he was tied down to being one man at one place at one time. And he did a lot of stuff, and that would be cool to watch that. But what he's saying is, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to operate in your life. He's got gifts he's going to give you. He's got all these things that he is capable of doing. And in the process of doing that, what we want to do is be able to have enough faith to walk with Him as He's doing these things. Now, it takes time. It takes it, it takes effort. It takes a lot of courage to step out and do those things. Um, uh, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, I spoke in tongues immediately. One of the things that happened, um, I had gotten saved in a... In a um, what we shall call a disciplinary environment. And um, one of the things that I had to learn was to trust God. And when I couldn't see Him doing things, I had to believe what He said in the Word. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had this old Bible that I had underlined. Back then we didn't have uh, highlighters. We had underlined felt tip pens. I had all these things underlined. And when this teacher would go through all these things and say, uh, well, the Holy Spirit's this, that, and the other. I had all these things marked that, well, we can't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. And when he started explaining what speaking in tongues was, it made sense to me. I'm going, well, that's, yeah, I get that. And he said, do you want to speak in tongues? I said, sure. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and I want to speak in tongues. And I told him specifically that I wanted to speak in tongues and sound like I was talking about German or Russian. And, um, of course, that's what the Lord gave me. Um, So you have to step out and do things that you've never done if you want to get places you've never gone. I think beyond anything, and if you follow Rick's ministry, uh, Brazil, Cuba, um, Peru, Greece... You're going to be going to to the, the or Turkey, I mean. I guess you cook a turkey in Greece, don't you? It's a, it's a different thing. Um, but he's going to be going to to Turkey, the seven churches of Revelation. So all of those things, it takes faith to set those kind of things up. Um, and sometimes it gets a little difficult, like coming in here this morning. Uh, as you know, John uh, Dunn has been teaching me how to do this the computer work in here. And I got everything set up, but it didn't seem like it was working. And so uh, we worked through it. God showed us what to do. 
show me what to do here, and I've done it. So it takes faith to step out, and that's one of the things I want to encourage you about. If you go back and look at Luke 5, again, look at Peter, and think about, when you're thinking about Peter, he started here, then Jesus started teaching the parable of the sower, and after a real long day of teaching that, he says, all right, guys, get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. They get in the boat, and halfway across the lakes, a hurricane, as the, as the Amplified Bible says, it was a storm of hurricane proportions. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, and Peter, we assume it's Peter, gets up and says, hey, we just thought we'd let you know we're all drowning. I thought you might like to know that. Jesus gets up and does the one thing nobody expects. He stops the storm with his words, and he turns around to Peter and said, you have no faith. So Peter proceeds from there, and he wants to grow in faith. And the next time there's a problems on the water, and Jesus comes walking to him at night, in Matthew 14, you see Peter at least get out of the boat. He walked a little bit. We don't know how far. But he did walk on the water a little bit. And then when Jesus got him back into the boat, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. So he has gone from no faith to little faith, and then my favorite, one of my favorite parts about Peter, if you go to Acts chapter 12, James has just been executed. Herod saw the Jews like that, so he's going to execute Peter in the morning. Peter, an angel is sent to Peter, and he is so sound asleep that the angel has to kick him in the side to wake him up. This is a man who the difference between O ye of little faith and no faith, to the man who's asleep the night before he's going to be executed, is sleeping so sound they can't wake him up. The difference between those two is the faith step that you do when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it's in Acts chapter 2, you can see that. Now, we've got a lot of teachings on our website about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about walking in the gifts of the Spirit, about prophetic words and so forth, uh, I suggest that you dig into them. That will build your faith. You'll get an opportunity to see how the practical application of the Word of God is made so you can do what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it today, folks. I appreciate uh, kind of a rough start, but uh, we got through it. Uh, I hope that the Lord's blessed you. I know uh, I can sit here and smile because Rick and I are running around trying to figure out what happened. And I'm sure if John Dunn was watching, he'd be smiling because he would probably know. But we're better off now than we were when we started. So let's just laugh with the Lord and, and, and go ahead and pray and, and have a great day. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the mercy that you have. I thank you for a smile on your face, Father, because when we, when we try things and they don't work, we just keep trying them. We don't give up. Uh, we got her done today, Father. We thank you for that. And I ask everybody that's listening to this to be blessed. Let them hear your word. Let them walk in faith with you today, Father. We thank you for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Y'all have a great day, and we'll work this again soon.